morning. Great to be with you. Thank you, music team, and um, welcome back, Schuberts. Welcome back. Why are you clapping the loudest, Matt? <laughs> Let's open our Bibles to the book of Psalms, Psalm 133, and as Bailey said, it will be our final psalm of ascent. We have ascended. Finishing that up. Um, while you're turning there, one thing to note, in, if you're new to the church, in the fall and the spring, we start up um, Sunday school. That includes children's ministry. And uh, uh, Tracy Anderson, our children's coordinator, I don't know if Tracy's here. There she is. She's right there in the balcony, right in the front. Everyone look. Yeah. She still needs volunteers. So um, anyone who's had that has a heart for kids or you're just willing to serve, um, we do need volunteers to fill out some of those spots. We have some, but we're, we're oh, three weeks away, whatever we are, from kickoff on September 10th. Um, so make her job easy. Also for Awana, we'll be kicking off beginning of September. And Jackie Salmon, our Awana coordinator, is looking for volunteers. Um, so we just want to make it easy on them and uh, not, not have to chase us down. So if you can contact them through the office or, or personally this week, that would be great. <coughs> We are going back to Revelation next week. So we paused after we finished chapter 16. We will pick up in chapter 17, and we will finish. It will take us um, close to Thanksgiving, again, through the last few chapters. Uh, but we're getting to the happy stuff, to the happy ending, which is, uh, uh, I think, those of us who have been studying and preaching, we've, we've certainly been looking forward to that. A um, few more chapters of judgment, and then uh, uh, we'll get there. Let's read Psalm 133, and I'm just going to continue reading and finish with Psalm 134, the last of the Songs of Ascent. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life, forevermore. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the unity that we do have in Christ, whether we like it or not. Lord, we have been invited into the life of God through Jesus and his gospel, and we are united. We pray, Lord, that we would be eager to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And I thank you for how you have worked that grace in our body. Thank you, Lord, for the unity that we have and are experiencing, feeling like we're pulling in the same direction under the Word, empowered by the Spirit. Lord, may we be zealous to keep that. May we let no tensions linger and simmer among one another. May we be quick to forgive, quick to overlook an offense. May we be quick and thorough in our confessions of sin to one another. Lord, may we forgive as we have been forgiven so much more. And we ask that you would 
draw a hedge of protection around our church from the enemy who would love to come in and create and sow chaos, disorder, division, disunity, lies instead of truth. May we be on guard. May we watch ourselves closely and all the flock, especially our leaders, but every member, every person. That, Lord, we are a witness. We are a witness. It is our unity that, Jesus, you prayed in John 17 that will show the world we are of you. That we are different. That we are attractive because you are attractive. So, Lord, we pray for more unity. We pray for a preservation of the unity. We pray that each person individually would commit to that. That we would be peacemakers. And so be called sons and daughters of God. Lord, we ask for your blessing on this word today. Help me as I deliver it. And I pray for soft hearts ready to hear from the Holy Spirit. We expect that. We expect that every Sunday. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's interesting, as we get to the end of the Psalms of Ascent, in 133 and 134, the psalmists have community on their mind. Even in 134, we're in the house of the Lord. And what they're saying is community is blessing. Community is life. Your salvation, your relationship with God is personal, yes, but it's not private. It's never meant to be private. The Bible knows nothing of a private faith. <laughs> you can't fulfill a lot of commands if it's just me and Jesus. I mean, show me, you, you, you show me a verse that you think teaches that, I'll show you ten that teaches something different community, together, a people. Why is that? Why is it that isolation brings death? Some of you know that experientially. Um, why, is that, why is it that, that possibly the worst feeling of all feelings is being alone? Why is that? Well, to answer that, let me ask another question. What was God doing before the creation of the world? What was he doing? Any ideas? He's probably bored. Womp womp. He wasn't. We don't know a lot, but we know that the Father wasn't sitting alone on his phone. We know that Jesus wasn't locked in his room playing video games. We know the Holy Spirit was not endlessly hiking the Appalachian Trail alone, searching for meaning. They were together. They were together in perfect love and fellowship for all of eternity. I can't even talk about that. Like it, I can't even communicate. Because all we know is time, so what is it like when there's no time? And they're just together, enjoying each other. It's Christmas every day, just giving gifts to each other. the happy land of the Trinity, where the atmosphere is love. That's where they lived. Theirs is a party that's been going on forever, and in the gospel, you are simply invited into it. 
to join the party that's already going on. So please, some of you, leave the kingdom of darkness and loneliness and isolation whose father is Satan, please, and come into the kingdom of light and love and laughter and joy. This is what you were made for. In the kingdom of God, there is never just a table for one. It's always for two or more. That's why isolation, loneliness is death. It violates the very nature of God. Loneliness, isolation violates the very nature of God, and it violates your human nature. That's why it just doesn't work. And we are deceived if we think that me alone with my comforts and my devices and my house and my chair, that that's going to bring life. That's a lie. Because if it were true, there would have been one person, not three, for all of eternity. You can't get through Genesis 2 without learning this. Then the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. What? Adam is in paradise, folks. No sin. Nothing is wrong with the world. He has three tasty meals a day, plenty to do to occupy him. He has beautiful scenery. He's he's in the Garden of Eden. Um, Animals are not attacking him. They're listening to him and obeying him. That's weird. And God says, something's not quite right. Something's off. I mean, this is pretty good, but it's not good that you're alone. You need another human being. You need friendship. You need fellowship. This is what you were made for. Did you know it's possible to be lonely with God? It's possible to be lonely, you and God. At a certain point, he's like, okay, you know, um, go be with people. All the reading, the contemplation, the prayer, this is wonderful, this is nice, just me and you. Now go. Get out of here. Go, go be with people. That's what you need. You weren't created to be alone, and you weren't even created to be alone with God. Otherwise, why is it not good that you're alone, Adam? If anyone could have said, I love God, but I'm not sure I need the church, It was Adam. And God said, nope, just me and you in paradise isn't working. You need other human beings to flourish. That's so interesting. When God saves you, he adopts you into a family. No Christian is an only child. No Christian is an only child. You can no more be a Christian that's not in community than you can be born without a family. You you have blood family. Every person does. It's impossible not to. Same is true for a Christian. When we try to be an only child in the kingdom of God, it's like a branch trying to exist and live disconnected from a tree. 
It's like a finger trying to be a finger disconnected from a hand. It doesn't work. You will die physically and spiritually. You will die without community. I read a study that chronic loneliness reduces your life expectancy at the same rate smoking 15 cigarettes a day does. So another study, Harvard Study of Adult Development, over 85 years, they have concluded, based on the data, that the number one factor for better mental and physical health is good human relationships. Not diet, not exercise, not success in your job. I mean, great, all great, good. People. Relationships. So I want you to think about today where you are resisting God's invitation into community. Where are you resisting? When you believe that choosing a safe, comfortable life where everyone is kept at a safe distance is better for you, you're believing a lie. You're choosing death, not life. And some of you believe this. Some of you, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I'm, I'm, I'm going to affirm you in that. I want to encourage you in that. And some of you need to be challenged. So, trusting the Holy Spirit to work today. Let's hear from Mr. Eugene Peterson. He talks about community of faith being a taste of heaven. What we're doing today is a taste of heaven. Here's what he says. Psalm 133 throws out just a hint of the rousing good fellowship that is in heaven, where relationships are warm, expectancies fresh. We are already beginning to enjoy the life together that will be completed in our life everlasting, which means heaven is like nothing quite so much as a good party. Assemble in all your imagination all the friends you enjoy being with most, the companions who evoke the deepest joy, the most delightful shared experiences, the people with whom you feel most completely alive. That is a hint of heaven. Three points today. Number one, community anticipated. Number two, community accomplished. And three, community experienced. Number one, community anticipated. These Old Testament saints, they tasted they anticipated the community that would come through the Messiah and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. This is a wisdom saying. It's a truism. Look, it's really good, it's really beautiful when God's people are united. Can you say amen to that? Amen, okay. Then be zealous to keep it. It's true. Be zealous to keep our unity, West Center. Don't mess with it. You don't want to mess with it. You don't want to go there. Don't allow for lingering tension. Walk in love. Walk in love. And we will dwell in unity. A couple years ago, I turned 40. Um... And because Carrie's awesome, she threw me a big birthday party for my 40th. And we had uh, 
we had a lot of people. It was great. And, and we just feel blessed. We feel the Lord's been so generous with us to give us friends, a lot of friends. Uh, we count so many of you as friends. And from different seasons and places in our life, uh, we, we just feel the Lord's been generous. And a lot of them were together that night in the same place. It was sort of like, whoa, it's crazy. It's like different seasons of your life all coming together and everybody's there. And um, yeah, it was crazy. At some point in the night, I just took a step back, and I, I just took it in. I took a mental picture, you know. And it was like people who didn't even know each other before that night, people who had barely spoken, like they just flew in from somewhere. It's just, it's just fellowship. Like my brother is laughing with Carly. Uh, my, my buddy Jamie, who's from Virginia, is talking cigars with Tom. Uh, my buddy John, who flew in from Arizona, he's working the grill with Isaac. Elliot, that's psycho, he's DJing, playing weird 90s songs and cackling and laughing. And it was just like this sweet energy, buzz, life, laughter, joy. I didn't want it to end. I didn't want it to be over because I felt like this is a taste of heaven. This is a taste of heaven. Where it's like the Molossans going to Brazil. You don't even know each other, and yet you are connected in the Lord so deeply. It's like, oh, we're family. I think that's the kind of dwelling the psalmist is talking about. It doesn't always have to be a big party, but you just feel that sense of connection. There's an energy. There's a, the he tries to help us feel that reality. He gives us a couple of images. First, verse 2. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard. Now, when I read that, it sounds like a hipster Duke Cannon beard oil commercial. It's like beard getting dry, gold testament on it. Grab some ironic beard oil. Like, but it's biblical. That's what's happening. Does Dr. Squatch have beard oil? We're not sure. Okay. But if he did, it would probably be black, not blue. Am I right? Am I right? Uh, I had to. In the ancient world, this is what you did. You have smelly guests come into your house, and you give them nice-smelling oil to rub into their hair. That's what people did. So you get, instead of wafts of manure, you get, you know, hints of cinnamon and clove and wonderful things. This is what they would have heard. This was common practice. Families with teenage children, take note. Everybody wins when you smell nice. Just, just saying. Ecclesiastes 9 captures the festiveness well. The, the same idea. Go and eat your bread with joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already approved of what you do. Let your garments always be white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. God's heart is for your life to be festive, not sullen. To be with people, eating, talking, laughing, drinking, not alone. I'm not saying you have to be with people every moment of every day, but is that the norm? Is that regular? God's spirit in another person is like sweet-smelling oil 
on their head. They smell good. So they have God's spirit. So remember that when you're tempted to just hang out with your friends, with your nuclear family, and just keep a tight little circle because I don't know you and I don't feel like I understand you and you're different than me, they might smell really nice. You don't know. How do you know? Especially if they have God's Spirit. They might smell really nice to your soul. So don't discount that. Some of my best friends are people I would have never thought I'd be close with. Same with Carrie. We've talked about it over the years. It's like, you remember those initial phases where you're like, I don't know. I don't know if they like me. I'm not sure what to do. And it's, oh, we're like, we click. But if you discounted them because I've got my tight little group and I'm fine, I'm fine. Don't have room for more friends. Don't have time. You'd miss it. We get more of the same image in verse 2. Oil running down on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Some of you hear that and you're like, it's going to take a lot of OxyClean to get that oil out. I get it. It's fine. The line of Aaron is the line of priests. This is priestly language. Priests had the power to bless God's people. And so as the oil runs down on their robe would have been the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. This is God's people. So it's not just the leaders of the church that are blessed with fellowship and community. It's the people. All the people of God. Our job as leaders, we, we help, we lead, we plan the festivities, but we can have a great worship plan for Sunday, but without you, there's no blessing. There's no joy. There's no unity. It's us. It's us. And we're privileged to lead and plan the festivities, but it's all of us. I remember the first couple of weeks of COVID, and it was like seven people sitting out here. It wasn't good. It wasn't the same. Yes? Verse 3, it is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. So Mount Hermon, geographically, was located in the north of ancient Israel, 9,000 feet above sea level, and it got a lot of rain, 60 inches every year. Zion is in Jerusalem in the south. It's more dry. It's more like a hill. And everyone in the ancient world understood that what that dew made things grow. It brought life. So when God's people are together, which is what Mount Zion is symbolizing, with God, His presence, okay? Life. Life. Like the dew falls on the mountain and creates life. So we, when we're together and the Spirit is with us, Life, we grow, fructify. To not be with God's people regularly is to live in the desert. That's where you're living. You don't grow, there's no life. And yet, even this great experience that, that the psalmist is having, dwelling together, it's partial, it's limited in the Old Testament. The Messiah has not come, the Spirit has not been poured out. Most of God's people at this time did not walk with him or fear him. That's Israel. Most of them did not fear God. Now, they were ethnically God's people, but in terms of their heart, 
many were far from God, even though they're in the temple sitting next to you. So this is anticipatory. There's got to be something more where all of God's people will know him from the least to the greatest, which is what he promises in Jeremiah 31. You will all know me. Jesus is going to create a new humanity, a new people, community accomplished. It's anticipated and accomplished in Christ. Um, you know, the Father, he wants to give Jesus every good gift, and he wants to give him a family. Not that he needed anything, but he just wants to give it to him. The firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So he wants to give him you, people. But the problem is sin. You and I are naturally destroyers of community. We're really good at it. Like, we're, we're creative. We're impressive. Adam and Eve immediately destroy community through their sin. They're sent into exile. Cain immediately murders his brother, destroys community, sent into exile. And on and on and on it goes. You've experienced it in your families, in churches, in your place of work. Destruction of community that sin brings. So if the destroyers of community are going to become the new community in Christ, there has to be a sacrifice. Sin has to be paid for. Power has to come through a resurrection. So Jesus goes to the cross and He takes upon Himself all your relational destruction. And every one of us has destroyed relationships. Every one of us has sinned relationally. We are all relational sinners. Your anger, your impatience, your racism, your self-righteousness, thinking you are better than the next person, superior to them in some way. All your petty high school bullying and mocking, talking bad about people, slandering, gossiping. All your selfish disregard for people who are different than you. Messy, broken, other. Jesus died for it all. And if you will repent of that sin and believe in him, by a literal miracle of grace, He will give you the community that you have tried so hard to destroy. He will make you into someone participating and contributing to that community when before you were very good at destroying it. You get everlasting fellowship in the life of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which you absolutely do not deserve, but God delights to give. Ephesians 2 and 3 talk about this so beautifully. 2.14, For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. So in his flesh... He took all your law-breaking to make peace between you and other people, whether it's Jew, Gentile, or you and anybody else. His purpose was to create in Himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. 
through his death and resurrection, he creates a new humanity. I mean, do you think about that? That's what we're part of, people. Like the thing in all the history of the world, the new humanity, the new creation. People who hate each other and hate God now are one with Him. One with Him. As the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father, so we are in them. What? You're one. Act like it. Imagine a tree. Trunk of the tree is oak. That's Jesus. He's the vine. He's the, he's the pillar. He's the trunk. And the, the branches and the leaves, they're all different kinds of trees. They're ash, they're maple, they're birch, they're elm. And it's the weirdest looking tree you've ever seen, but it's alive. That's the church. It's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Unity and diversity. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, unity and diversity, that's what we are, and it's beautiful. And let me tell you, it's not accomplished by us being nice to each other. It's accomplished by the blood of Jesus Christ. That and that alone can create, out of endless division and hostility, peace and unity. It's the only game in town for what everybody wants. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want a family that doesn't fight? Now, we're not there yet, but we will be. Let me say this to you. Jesus did not die for you to waste the gift. He did not give his life to waste the gift. Are you wasting the gift? He didn't die for you to be an absentee member of the family. How much would that hurt if someone in your family just stopped showing up? Where are they? I don't know. Or just every once in a while popped in unexpected. Would that hurt? Would that affect you? Would that affect the family? Yes. Likewise, the church. It affects us all when one is missing. To be in Christ is to be in community, bonded together by the glue of the Holy Spirit. It just is. It's not even a choice. I mean, we make choices, but it just is. Community experienced. How do we experience it? Verse 3. For where Mount Zion, for, I'm sorry, for there, Mount Zion, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. There, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. When God's people gather together, the Lord has commanded a special blessing, Chaim Ad Haolam, life forever. How do you experience that? In simple terms, you just have to take steps of faith. It's steps of faith. Trust God as you do things that are uncomfortable. You move toward people. 
in faith. And that is faith expressed in love. And love creates community. Jesus trusted the Father, loved sacrificially on the cross, and we get community. So if you want to participate in the work of Christ, take steps of faith expressed in love, moving toward other people, and it will create community. And praise God, there's a lot of that going on. Where is God calling you to get uncomfortable? Take a step of faith. Maybe it's just to join a good church. I mean, just start there. If you've trusted in Jesus, the Bible knows nothing of a a Christian on his own or her own. Maybe it's to serve in the church, okay? Some of you are not serving. That's just what it means to be a Christian, is to serve. doesn't mean you have to be up here doing something, anything. There's lots of needs. You want to come talk to me? I can tell you. You have gifting? Yeah, use your gifting. But sometimes it's just, where do you need me? Let me serve. It will bring you life. I promise. Join a life group. Have more people, different people, loud and messy people, big families, into your home. People that might make you slightly uncomfortable and make your house dirtier than it normally is. Who might eat a lot of your food? Invite them over. Disciple someone. Ask someone to disciple you. Ask someone if you can pray for them after church. Great. We have a lot of conversation, a lot of energy, a lot of buzz. I love it after church. Are we going to that place as the Spirit leads? How can I pray for you? Well, this is a, let me just pray for you right now. That creates community. Invite someone for coffee, lunch, um, You start taking those steps, guys, and you're going to experience blessing. It's a promise of God. You start making people a priority every week, and you will experience life. I know a lot of you got project lists. You You got calendars with meetings and this and that, events on them. Make a people list. Who has God laid on my heart this week to get to? Who do I need to call? Who do I need to text? Who do I need to invite over? Who do I need to... Whatever. People. It gets easier the more you do it. It becomes more comfortable, normal, enjoyable. I remember being in a small group early in our marriage, and it was a great group uh, of people. We were real with each other. We cared for each other. Uh, We were walking life together challenged each other at times. And we had a new couple who was coming to the church, young couple, and they visited our life group. And uh, so they come, and we're just being normal, I'd say. The things we always did, I hope it was biblical. I mean, we're just sharing struggles. We're confessing sin. We're praying for each other. And they were so uncomfortable. Like You know when you feel that in the room, it's like, They're really uncomfortable, like deer in the headlights. This is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced kind of look, that you people are talking like this, that you're being open like this, that you're being honest like this. And at one point, uh, someone asked one of the ladies, 
a question because she had shared, like, this is going on, this is what I'm struggling with. And someone said something like, well, what do you think you were craving in your heart when you did that? And the guy puts his hand up and says, whoa, 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 you don't have to answer that. And she's like, I know, I want to. They left quickly that night. Um, They were so uncomfortable because it was real. They're not used to being real. They're not used to being biblical, living out the one another's that we find in Scripture. And you know what? We thought, like, they're not coming back. That's it. They're probably leaving the church. But they didn't. They came back to church. They came back to life group. Eventually, he became a small group leader. Eventually, he became a pastor. Because they were willing to be uncomfortable to experience community. They were willing to get outside of themselves and their box and what they knew, trusting God. This is weird to us, but maybe, maybe it's right. It's good. And eventually they got downhill with it and it was good. And it was sweet. And we know them today. And they would, they would say, Amen to everything that I'm saying. But that night, they weren't there. So it's small steps of faith, small moments of being uncomfortable, trusting God that he will bless you. He will bring life. And so often, isn't it fear that keeps us from that? It's fear. Fear of, I have nothing to offer, they don't need me. That's a lie. Fear of, I don't want to bother anybody. That's a big one. That's usually a lie. Fear of, I, have, I could be doing more productive things. Sometimes a lie. Or fear of, I will get hurt if I'm vulnerable. Maybe. It's always a risk to be vulnerable. But I would say it's better than the alternative. The alternative is far worse, to be isolated, to keep everyone at arm's length. That's living death. So, yeah, we might get hurt, but God will be with us. God will help us through it. We know we have this relationship that's always secure, always there. So even if someone else hurts us, where do we fall back into the arms of God? That's pretty good. doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. doesn't mean it's not real. But I believe that God wants us to take risks in faith, and that brings him glory and will bring us blessing and life. That's the point. That's the point. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the invitation into the very life of God. Who are we, Lord? Who are we? That you would be so good to us when we have in our flesh in our natural condition been destroyers of everything that is good including community you have been so gracious to us and we say thank you help us lord each to commit to be determined to love other people as we have been loved to in faith get uncomfortable as jesus was uncomfortable on the cross that in love he might create this beautiful community We ask this for the sake of Christ.
Amen.